Hello and welcome to Mike Martin Asks Again. This week I have another very, very special guest. Okay, now this week's special guest, okay, went from a cover model, <laughs> listening to this, cover model to a CEO. Now all you perverts out there are probably imagining some six foot two, leggy blonde with massive tits. Sorry to disappoint you, this cover model is actually a guy. <laughs> okay, but cover model to CEO. Now he's a founder of um, What's Your Happy? If you don't know what that is, you will find out later. We'll have a link down the bottom of that to show you. He helps businesses through the art of, let's call it negotiation and persuasion. The guy loves the two, negotiation and persuasion. He does really, really well, okay? Been a coach for well over 10 years now, so he's a great coach. If you do want to get in touch at the end, this guy will really, really be able to help you. And the favorite saying I've ever heard him say, in fact, he's very close to something I say, but this has kind of been worded much, much better. You have two choices in life. Do it now or do it right now. <laughs> if it was me saying that, I would probably, probably would have put a do it now or do it right fucking now <laughs> because I swear too much. So Vernon Lee Brown, my friend, tell us who you are. What is up, Mike? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the intro and I love that. Do it right fucking now. All right. So my name is Vernon Brown. As uh, Mike was you know, kind of alluding to, I am a happiness coach. I'm all about getting in, diving in and getting you unstuck so we can go out. Uh, my big saying is I take you from stuck to happy as fuck. Uh, part of my language here. I know Mikey Cuss, but I try to limit that. Um, so I guess, man, where's a good place to start? Why don't we start at the beginning? How I got here? How does that work? Yeah, man. Let's take it, take it right the way back where you where you started. Because I mean, I mean, the, the thing with most entrepreneurs is people know, oh my god, that guy's successful. That guy's got all these clients. That guy, they don't see all the shit that you go through to get there. So that's what I like to talk about. I like to hear the backstory, find out where you came from, how you got started all the shit that, that made you feel like, I fucking hate this world before you eventually got to the point where you are now. Dude, and what you just said, I fucking hate this world, that, that hits a chord. So, you know, let's go uh, to time far, far away. And I'm one of three. I'm the middle child. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, you're middle child syndrome. But hear me out. Kind of put that to the side for right now. And the way that we grew up was a little uh, aggressive. That's what we'll say. Uh, but things were tough. And, you know, when you said that, you know, like life is just kicking my butt, this is kind of the, the first base for me. It just gotten started. So we were poor. We were homeless. We didn't have a lot of food, got made fun of a lot, bullied that whole shit, right? So now we're moving to kind of second base. And now I'm about 10, 12 years old. And I'll never forget it. It's when I was getting off the bus, you know, kids are laughing at me. And I'm coming to the bus stop and I see papers in the wind. And I will never forget this, Mike, and anyone listening. I will never. If anybody has ever experienced this, you get in. If you never have experienced this, I hope you never will. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on the bus. I'm seeing all these papers fly by the window. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, art for me was everything. Art was the main reason why I was able to stay focused and able to get somewhat of C's and D's in school because it was my escape. But as I'm sitting on the bus, I'm looking at those papers. And then I realized that it was my artwork. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, I'm, again, I'm early, just about not even hitting the teenage years. And I found out what an eviction was. So when I'm pulling up all of my stuff, all of my things that matter to me were lying on the street. Everybody in school, every bus knew. And of course, in that time in school, that was defeating, that was diminishing. And it was, you know, it was just a different place for me, you know, very different for him now. So trust me, this story has a great ending. Believe me, it ain't even over yet, but just ride with me here. So we're kind of moving to third base. So I'm 16, 17 years old, getting made fun of. I didn't fit in. And this is about the years when I really discovered that I was going to be a nerd in life because I love computers. And, you know, girls love when you're a nerd and you love computers and you love medical terminology, right? 
And I, I just decided I wanted to play football. Like, this would be a good way. I'll be a jock, right? Uh, and I don't mean in a derogatory sense, but I just mean like, I want to be a jock. I want to find some way to be cool. Middle, um, middle of the uh, second, third game, all of a sudden they called me into the locker room. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they were like, hey, Vernon. And next thing you know, the entire team locked me in the locker for their whole game. It made me sing, I'm a little bit of tea. I'm a little teapot. Threw water on me. Horrible, horrible experience. Horrible. Kids are cruel motherfuckers out there. There is a beautiful punchline here. Trust me. Hang on tight. <laughs> so around that time, you know, I was, you know, let me just throw this into the mix. You know, I'm not trying to oversell it. I just got to really frame this a particular way because it's such a polarizer perspective. You know, I was 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, in late teens. And I was called fat, overweight, stupid, ugly, every name possible. And this just wasn't from the students. This was like from my family members. Um, I was kind of like the black sheep because I've always wanted to do things differently than other people. I knew that there was a better way of handling things than what I was raised. I love my family. I just don't love all their ways. And it, it was just crazy. Um, as I was sitting there trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to get myself back together, kind of reapproach life. I heard his voice in my head that said, you need to just go ahead and end all of this now. And I'll never forget that. And I'm sitting there, you know, I was, again, I was kind of overweight. I was a little chubby by some standard, by some people might call standards, especially my own, because I heard so much. I was 5'10 at that time, didn't fit in, and it was just horrible. And I did not want to be here anymore. I'm just going to leave it like that. But fortunately, that didn't happen. And I was thankful to so many, you know, this one particular person, but people matter. And he just said to me, you know, what's going on with your life? What's happening? And I just kind of summed it up like, all these things happened to me, blah, 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 blah. What was me? And, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, I, I told him and I won't forget it. And I looked at him and I was like, all of this is because of my mom. And I love my mom. Make no mistake. I love my mom. I'm telling you where I was at then. And the guy looked at me and, you know, I'd graduated and he said, where's your mom? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And, you know, when people use that expression, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Those words hit me so hard, but they, after it kind of settled, it really woke me up. So I was getting made fun of, you know, when I graduated high school, I was so thankful to be done with getting made fun of. And I said, I want to continue to be different. I continue wanting to be smart. So I, I wanted to go to school, but I wanted to do something that lit me up. And I loved animation. And when I chose animation, it was that way that I got to escape a lot of those problems. But a couple of years into school, I recognized that that's not who I was anymore, but who I am was a very different person. And so from then, I really started like this big metamorphosis because I realized that where I was wasn't my doing in many cases. Some of it was, but a lot of it, you can't decide how you're born or who you're born into and a lot of circumstances. But that can only be an excuse, you know, you know, from my case up to a point. And when I recognized that, you know, the animation art to kind of escape and get away and I was really good at it. Um, according to my grades, not, you know, trying to toot my own horn. And I said, I want to know why people do what they do. So I changed my degree over to psychology. And as I made that change academically, what started happening with me on the physical level was crazy. So I was 5'10 when I graduated high school. And when I turned 22, 20, 20 21, really, I shut up um, six inches over summer. In other words, you could start seeing my ankles when I was walking in my jeans. They're almost going to look like culottes or something. And I'm changing psychology. My, I started growing and I really started like getting into health because I got tired of being made fun of for being so overweight. So I had all these changes going on. Oop. Sorry for that. I had all these changes going on. 
And when I got done with school, what was just crazy, I was 6'4". I was over 200 pounds um, of good weight. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it was good weight. And it was a whole new world for me because everything I brought up in for 20 years was completely gone, essentially, other than this guy up here. I was still the nerd. I was still the quiet guy. But I knew it was like a new beginning for me because I could see it. I got better grades. I got my degree. And I was one of the first people to have these things in my family. And so what happened was I, was I said, if I'm a new person, then I need to do new things. So what I did there was how can I get to know people faster? How can I get to understand people? And I said, I'm going to be a bartender, right? Big leap because everybody tells a bartender everything. And so for being a bartender, um, what was such an awakening for me was everything I had been through when I was younger made sense because of those tough times, because of, you know, being homeless and being made fun of, it helped me develop my gift. And it's the gift of long suffering. It helped me develop my intuition. I could see where people get stuck. I could see where people get, you know, kind of caught up in their thoughts. Right. And it was just crazy because Tran bringing it back full circle with bartending, nobody cares how long it takes to make their mint julep. Right. Um, people really don't, they just want to be, you know, seen, they want to be felt, they want to be understood. And when you walk into a bar and you walk into my bar and I had a huge following because of the people, I'm not saying this because of me, but just the facilitation that I could really connect with them. Um, they, they would say like, well, I want this. And I would like, look at them and like, I know exactly what you need. You want the best cherry. And then they would just start <laughs> laughing like that. Right. And so, and it's like, all of a sudden you start recognizing it's the gifts that you have. And it was just to be with you and meet people. So I had a fantastic time bartending and how we got to be the modeling thing, which was really another cool part was I'm working out. I'm having a good time bartending. I'm understanding like my groove in life. And it was no longer what had happened to me. Like what had happened to me? It was like, what had happened to me? Right. And it, it was so cool because being a nerd, another thing is if you can tell by myself, I'm a big superhero fan as well. And I started to find my superpowers. And if anybody likes X-Men, they go through some of the worst things possible to develop those superpowers that makes them stand out. So I was really starting to understand my superpowers, not glorifying myself, but recognizing that I had a purpose. Um, and this guy at the gym said, Vernon, you should really consider being a cover model, being a model. And I said, there's no way possible. I'm the ugly, fat, stupid guy. That's what I said to myself. And it was weird because when I almost said it out loud to the guy, I said, no, you're not. I'm 24 years old. Like, that's not who you are. They are. That's who you were. Um, and I said, well, I've already approached these things. I might as well. Went to school, became a bartender, having a good time. And I said, sure, let, let's rock and roll with this. But I knew if I was going to do it, I, if I was going to fail at it, I wanted to fail big. So I took pictures and I lived in Richmond, Virginia at the time. Sent them up to New York. I said, if I'm not going to work out, it's not going to be something local. It's going to be straight for the top. That's always how I've been. And I sent out to 16 agencies, 15 of them said no, <laughs> and it, it's a trip, but that one, if you're following along the math said yes. And they told me no promises, nothing. I said, cool, I can rock with this. Let's roll with it. And so I went up there, took some pictures and I got back on like on a Sunday, came back uh, Wednesday with an email and Under Armour had picked me up. And then the next thing you know, uh, another major publication, they since gone on a business, picked me up um, to be the cover. And I was like, what? And then another. And this was like, I can't even say it's a dream because I didn't even necessarily foresee this happening. But it was just a trip because I didn't expect all this. But as I'm out there and I was, you know, acting and modeling, and, you know, acting kind of came about later for about two or three years. Uh, I, I just recognized that I was done. I was full, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, I, I never wanted to be the center stage guy. That's not who I am. 
And so from there, it was like, oh, so what do I do? So by that time, I traveled all across the country, met some amazing people, amazing experiences, you know, met amazing athletes, all those great, great projects, but I'm still burning. I'm that guy. I just, you know, I, when you and I talked about geeking out over tech, we're even right before this call. And that's who I am, my core. But one thing I definitely learned is when I was an actor and model and everything, if someone's giving you five and $10,000 checks, the person who's giving you that check probably made 20 to 25. And I got tired of making people money. I wanted to make my own money. So I got a mentor. And then from there, my mentor said, like, you should really consider life coaching. And I said, absolutely not, buddy. I'm barely 30 years old and you're trying to tell me to be a life coach. I don't even like that term to this day. And um, he said, Bernie, you should do it. Older guy, smart guy, smart cat. And I said, no, old man. And he said, yes, young man. And I said, I know, old man. And been a good mentor. He, mentor, he didn't back off. And he said, what exactly is coaching? I said, I don't know. He's like, so what are you saying no to? And I was like, well played. And I looked into it. And he said, you've been doing this your whole life. And I was like, what do you know I have? And he's like, how do you think you got here? You've been figuring it out and finding ways to leverage it and make it better. And when he said that, I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to call it something different. And, you know, I sat back and I started thinking, you know, with bartending, I wasn't the best. I wasn't. But people always felt good when they're around me and they started getting, you know, so much, you know, more things out of life. They were looking forward to seeing me and looking forward to hanging out with people, action and modeling. If you've ever done a casting before, you're not special. I'm telling you that now. Whatever your mama told you, she means that in her house. When you go to a casting, I thought I was only 6'4", uh, you know, black guy with a bald head. When I went to a casting, it was like a sea of milk duds of all 6'4", brown guys. Every single one of us looked the same. But what stood out was the way that people were, uh, were having, you know, were, were interacting with me, the energy that I brought, my willingness to always learn, my willingness to just do stuff, my personality, my sense of humor. It was people always felt happier. They felt more energetic when I was around. And that's what really captured me. And that's when I said, I'm going to create a practice that is designed to help people get unstuck and to uh, move people forward focused on energy. And that's what What's Your Happy was born. And that's been, you know, well over 10 years now. Wow. So you basically, you, you, you fell into everything until you realized, I just like making people smile. Yeah. And, you know, making people a lot of money along the way helps too, right? <laughs> it certainly it, does, yeah. So you did, you did psychology in, um, yeah. in school. Mm-hmm. What, what 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 psychology? We say what I've psychology? Not, we we've spoke well. We've spoke a lot. We've spoke probably I don't know four or five times or something. And every time yeah. I speak to, you, I end up being on with you for twenty minutes, half an hour, even longer, which is unusual for me because I'm normally on and off a call with people. But I, I've noticed that when I come away from speaking to you, I feel good, right? Oh, and I never funny. I never I never thought why, right? And, and uh, but then you just said then I, I I did psychology and I thought ah maybe maybe he's playing a trick on me somewhere here. like no. What's that trick or what type of psychology no. is it? Dude, I, you know, just like you, I genuinely like people. I love being with people. And that type of energy, that type of interaction is infectious because even before we were talking about your backdrop, people can feel authenticity. People can feel the true self. If you're not the true self, people can tell. You know, you'll be, you might even feel weird. It kind of gives that feeling. I am genuine, genuinely like, I like talking with you. I like in, in talking with so many different people. So there's no tricks. I don't do stuff like that. Um, and to be really honest with you, it, it's that, that's, I learned psychology because I, again, I wanted to know what, why people did what they did to me, why those things happened. Why did my mom's boyfriends, you know, decide to hit me harder than that? Why did I have all those bruises on my body? Why would someone treat a child like that? That's what I needed to kind of go to heal. But in terms of bringing that to in a coaching environment or just to the world, everyday conversation, no, no, no. I just bring me. 
That's probably what it is then. It's probably because you're genuine because 99.9% of the people you speak to, especially in our industry, oh, have yeah. got an ulterior motive where they want something from you. And yep. they're trying to, they're, they're trying to, or, or they're, they're trying to angle the conversation so they can ask you one question, and that one question is usually something that's going to make them a fortune. Yep, <laughs> I can't <laughs> deny it's the truth, right? So, have you read the book um, "The Almanac" by Naval? I'm, I'm going to try and say it, Ravi Kant. I always say, I always say mm. Ravi Kant, right? It's it's, it's the the almanac. Uh, I think it's the almanac of uh, Naval Ravi Kant. Um, and it, and it's written by I, I can't remember the name of the author, but yeah, that there. If you if you read the second half of that book, um, it's got a section in it. it, it the first half is about making money, so it's section one. You read it in a couple of hours. The second half of the book is about being happy, and I, I read it and it completely changed like my, my life because it goes through about. I mean, it goes into a lot of the stuff about like like you were saying before. None none of everything they were saying and what they were doing and all the rest of that shit. It didn't really matter. None yeah. of what we do in life really really matters or has any meaning or I mean literally you're born and we fuck all you die we fuck all and, and basically whatever happens in the middle is just a, a big old journey you might as well be smiling throughout it but that book um, that really that especially because you do a lot of co- positive coaching mm-hmm. will, be, will will I think would be would be good for you so you've done that now for ten years mm-hmm. um, give us. Give us, take us back. I mean, you, obviously you've explained what it is you wanted. Give us some of the walls that you hit along the way. So like, like of where you thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit this or I'm going to give up on Because what you said about the, um, my, my, my brother's a musician and I've been to a lot of auditions and stuff with my brother and exactly what you said, you are just another face in the crowd. Yep. And it's like, there's a guy sat there behind a desk kind of like the Simon Cowell style and he has all the power and he's just like fingers take that one out yep. take that one out and it's like you can imagine back in World War Two when 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 the Jews were getting off the trains and there's these evil hookers stood there going them send them onto the camps and them onto yeah. the camps. and it's just it's the same process of of like people are just are just cattle and it's just like that one goes that way that one you don't mean anything to them until you get to that point where, like you was, where you're getting on the cover and you start to affect their pockets. And then all of a sudden, you walk Things into a change. room and you're the most important guy in the room. And they're like, they will actively be sat there with you in the finger thing about everybody else. And you'll walk into a room, not me, but I remember my brother walking into a room and these guys are like, oh, Carl, and they're, 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 they're yeah. running over and they'll be hugging him and introducing him to people. And I was like, a few months back, you, he was sat over there and he was a nothing to you. Uh, so when you said that, it kind of hit home and I thought, fucking hell, that really does actually, I remember that. And it never registered at the time, but I remember it. And I remember thinking it at the time, but I kind of forgot until you said it. Yeah. I can think of three significant roadblocks. Ones that really caught me off guard. I think it'd be really valuable for your audience to know. I think one of the first roadblocks that, and it humbled me, you know, when you first step into entrepreneurship, I have read I used to read about 90 to 100 books every year. I have read so many books. I have yet to find the words of the amount of fear that I felt when I first took that leap. It was one of the scariest things I've ever you know, experienced. And I wanted to run and hide. I remember that. I remember that so clear. And you know, it was a roadblock for me because I started to create this self-doubt. And I know a lot of people don't talk about this, or maybe they do. But for me, I didn't hear any words that encompass the word self-doubt. I I wanted to go back to who I was. Well, that, that stress and that, that back there, that's not that big of a deal. And I knew it was. 
But the pressure that I had to succeed and the, the passion I had to see was bigger because my son was in the picture. My son was um, my son was not even conceived yet. Well, he was conceived. He was about to be born. Pressure, right? So I knew I had to be a bigger person. And so I'm here to tell you my first roadblock was I had to get beyond what I thought I could do. And I didn't do that by myself. I'm such a believer that champions come in twos. I am such a believer in that because I had one person, my mentor, who really was holding my hand to the fire through that. And once I got through that roadblock, it, it's when you're in the, the, the chaos, right? When you're in the, uh, the storm, you don't know if you're in the eye or if you're in, you know, about to hit a wall. You don't know. And you need someone to see those things for you. Um, that was the first significant roadblock. And trust me, there's two big ones. And they all have a lot in common. The second roadblock I hit and, you know, I started with coaching, started coaching and, you know, things were going really well. And, you know, about the second year and I'm, I'm figuring things out, I'm getting danced together with life and business did this. It started going down and I'm like, what do I do? I'm the quiet guy. I backed away from acting and modeling. And if I'm really honest, it's because I don't like being the center of attention. It's hard for me. It's really hard. Um, and, you know, at the time. And, it, you know, I kind of said, you know, I'm full and I was full, but also there was an element of that there. But as business was going down, it's like, what do I do? But How do I handle this? And I remember, I think, you know, one of my... I think your Wi-Fi's kicking in, mate. I think you, you've got a bad signal because I'm not seeing you anymore. Oh, no. What about now? Nah, not at all. It's, it says, recording continues smoothly. Live video will return when they're internet. Ah, don't worry about it. It's still going live. It's just, I can hear you. I just can't see you. I don't, I don't know what's happened. It's disappeared. It says your Wi-Fi's dodgy. Anyway, go on, carry on with what you were saying, because I could hear you. I just, I just couldn't, um, I can't, you disappeared. Okay, let me know if it's something else. So it, it was just, it was crazy because I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget it. One of my colleagues came up and she was a coach and she said, Vernon, I got this speaking event. And she said to me, like, you should, you know, really consider doing this. And I said, absolutely not. I am not stepping out on a stage. And it was for maybe a hundred people. And she said that, you know, it's a quick thing, 15, 20 minutes. Mike, when I tell you that your boy was PP scared, I was the most scared I'd ever been in my entire life. I know it sounds crazy for some people, but I was terrified. Even when acting and modeling, right? You're, it's maybe 20 people in the room and they're watching other things. They're all paying attention to you. It was, it was a lot of pressure, but you know, what happened there was, um, and this was a roadblock because again, I wanted to back away. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to hide, but I pushed through. And next thing you know, guess what? I started having a speaking career. And, um, and, and that was a big roadblock for me because I didn't even forecast myself doing many things in life, but definitely not being a speaker. And I think my last roadblock, and this one came pretty early on, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to this, just the people I've talked to over the years. It was, and I, I've made this one last for a reason because I didn't recognize where a lot of that self-doubt had come from, but I remember, um, I, it was, I was in New York, um, and this kind of relates to coaching, but it mostly relates to, you know, acting modeling to as well. But, you know, things were going well and I'm getting on these, you know, fanfare and accolades. I mean, interviewed and the hardest lesson I had to learn was nobody wants to celebrate alone. And I realized that a lot of my family, friends and loved ones weren't there. And, you know, I will take ownership of that, that some of that was on me, but I didn't recognize until then, how important your environment is. 
And it was, it's another thing to watch one of your funniest movies with other people, right? Oh, you're laughing, you're joking. You're like, oh my gosh, you see it every one. But when you try to watch a movie like that by yourself, it's a little different. And it just taught me a lot about that you need to make sure that you protect your circle and you need to also make sure that you have the right people in your corner. Because the people that were celebrated with me at the time were not my people. Just because people are on your boat doesn't mean they're not putting holes in it. And that robot. What's that? A lot of them, when, when, as you start to climb, a lot of people don't give a shit about you. They're there to, to dig your pockets, basically. Yeah, yeah or just a ch- clout chase or, you know, just to be around you. And, you know, those things are fine and well and good, I guess, you know, for a lot of people. But for me, I, I do very well. That's why I mean, you and I connect so well. But you have to be you. You got to be authentic. But those roadblocks, you know, literally at the time were roadblocks, but they were literally jetpacks right when I got around them. Because then it just opened me up completely to like, if I, if I didn't have the support, what am I going to do? I'm going to find it. You know, if I don't believe in myself, what am I going to do? I'm going to surround myself with people who I can believe in and they can believe in me. Right. And so at that time, it literally just made me more sharper and made me more focused. So going back to the second one, what, 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 what? In fact, let's 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 move forward. We'll go. Yeah. I'll come back to that in, in shortly. Um, moving forward, then give, give me give me a similar sort of examples, but with achievements that you've done. So so throughout life, whether it's whether it's personal achievements, whether you've done achievements where you've you've helped third parties, or whether it's it's um, business achievements. So whether it's been in business, it's personal, or, or, or helping third parties. Well, give us give us a couple of examples of some achievements that you th- in life where you've thought, fucking hell, it makes it all worth it. This is the easy one. I remember the first time, first year in business, when I, um, I remember at the end of the year, I, like, I didn't keep track of my books when I, was, when I first got started. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. I got a little one and you know, everything was going. When I looked and I you know, did all my fun, sexy tech stuff, and I was making more money than what I'd been raised on, and I was beating, you know, I, I was beating a lot of my family members in income. When I say beating, I was just earning more. And when I finally hit over, when I finally hit over the eighty thousand dollar mark, it was such a huge accomplishment. Not the money; it was the runway. Officially, got longer for me because I'm like, if I did this, there's got to be more. You know what I mean? So that was just like a huge thing because it's like, all right, I broke through that barrier. Let's go. Um, another huge accomplishment for me, um, and this really, honestly, should have been first was my son. My son gave me the, and I mean, I talk to him about it often. He is my shadows, what I call him. He's my gingerbread, my tinkawink. Um, and he knows that he's everywhere. You might actually hear him scream, which I hope he doesn't. Um, was having my son. Being there for my son to be born was awesome. One of the most amazing things. Because it let me, it let me know that there's more out there for me. You know, what you're going to find a lot of my accomplishments, that there's more. That, no, there's always more. I live by that. A huge accomplishment. That I have to say, I can say this now, um, was when compliance in one particular, I'll call her, you know, client A. When client A got to experience similar financial accomplishments, that felt better for me than what it did for myself, if that makes any sense. Me getting that for me was great. I love that. Seeing someone else get that, like I took uh, a small sprinkle of, you know, juju that I gave to them and to see them do that. That was, it was almost like seeing someone grow and develop right in front of you. When I, and it's because I know how hard it was mentally for you to get through those things. When everyone else might think, oh, all you have to do is this. I know what it's like up here. That was a huge accomplishment, huge accomplishment. 
Um, and it's always like that. That's the thing that cracks me up. And I always wonder, is this going to, is this going to go away? It doesn't go away. So, you know, those are the first three that come to mind. I can go deeper if you'd like. Maybe, yeah, maybe in a minute. We'll, 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 we'll I'll keep pushing, pushing for, for, I mean, that reminds me so much, that what you just said about a client then. I remember, um, a client of mine and I've got clients who would do two, three, four, five hundred grand a month, right? They're, they're yep. making an absolute fortune. But they've not got this same feel. There was this guy a few years back, and he was either in Romania or I can't remember. He, he was in he was in some fucking somewhere in Europe. Um, it was was it Romania? I can't remember. Anyway, he'd not long been out of prison, right? And and he got in touch with me. My business was pretty small at the time, um, and he got in touch with me. And he basically said to me, "Look, if I get magic pages and I start building these sites and I start doing what you're saying with them, I'm I'm going to because I don't want to go back to prison." And that was that was his thing was I don't want to end up back in jail. And yeah. I was like, "But basically, I said if you follow the steps, you do." And within about six months, he was making eighteen thousand USD. So basically, he was in Romania or somewhere, and he'd, he'd marketed to America. Yeah. Um, and he was the one client, um, and I think it's in one of my books. I think I've even put about him in one of my books because it was one of those clients who, who kind of stuck with me because it's like, fuck me, man. So you basically got out of jail. He didn't want to turn back into whatever it was he was doing before. I never asked him and, and he wanted to push forward and do well. And he's still a client now, all these years later, he's still doing it. He still awesome. won't give me a testimonial because he doesn't want people figuring out what he's doing. Cause he feels like <laughs> if they find out what it is and it's like, mate, there's fucking millions of industries, but he's done the same industry, the same thing. He's been, it must be six years now, maybe. Um, and he's still crushing it, and he's he's, he's never got in trouble again. And he, he's the one client who, like like you said about client A, he yeah. kind of he stuck with me, um, and and it was it was it was very um, e- even now I can't think of another client that 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 stuck with me the same way that that, that, I, that I felt more proud about because I was like holy shit, and I didn't do a lot for him. I had a couple of conversations with him, but it yeah. was one of them. He, he every time I spoke to the guy. He implemented, 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 and he really did not want to go back to prison. He didn't want to be that guy that's like sat there thinking, fuck, I need money. I'm just going to go out and break into that pub and steal the fucking till or whatever it was that that drove him. And he did it. He fucking, and he's still doing it now. Um, And you mentioned about kids before. Did, Did you find when your kids were born, it gave you a purpose? I found that when, I want to say the the purpose was there. It just changed my intent with my actions. It made me yeah. more device uh, decisive. I think that's what that's what really happened. See, before I had kids, I felt like there was no purpose to life at all ever. I was always like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna get wrecked all the time because I don't see the point and I enjoy getting wrecked." Yeah, and I did that for years and years and years, and I didn't meet my missus till I was thirty. Um, and when my little lad came along, all of a sudden it was like, "Holy fucking shit, man! There's a point to this now." It kind of yeah, it kind of got me that way. It was there was a point, and like before, you you mentioned eighty k, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, you're making way more than that now. But I remember doing nine hundred and five pounds in a week, right? Which which is crap money to, to 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 the rest of the world, right? But I remember I'd set up this locksmith company. I'd started learning to pick locks online. I'd started picking these locks, and and then all of a sudden I'd started going out on these jobs, and I'd I'd, I'd fucked up loads of times and almost gave up. And my mate Mark, he was called at the time, helped me through, and he used to t- talk me through certain uh, jobs and stuff like that. Or he'd turn up at the job uh, if I couldn't do it because he was a locksmith, and then he'd do the job in front of me. I'd watch him, and he'd take all the money, right? But what had happened is I'd learn as I was going, and I remember showing my mum that I put my book out and I was like, oh my God, I was like, look at this. I was like, I've nearly done a grand in a week by myself, no help from anyone, like yeah. set up this business because I never finished school, I never finished anything. And I remember that yeah. 905 pound that week 
was was the most important probably the most it was kind of what made me realize all of a sudden it's like you can fucking do this shit man you can yeah. absolutely crush it um and since that we've had 100 grand weeks 100 grand days um but that 905 pound in that seven day <laughs> was it's something magical it is, isn't it? And it's, it's that little bit at the beginning. I was talking to um, it was, a t- I was talking to someone in here the other week, and and I was saying to him, sometimes I want to lose everything, I want to lose it all, right? Yeah. And go back to being hungry, and go back to not having such an easy life. And that's what you just said is exactly what I'm talking about with my son. But my maybes became a must, right? Because maybe I could do this, maybe I couldn't. He made that 80k happened and i'm not saying that's a lot i mean don't get me wrong there is a lot of money but you know looking at comparatively speaking you know progression of things you know things have gotten better but he made that i could maybe do it to i was gonna must do it but it's also what you said about your one client it's when you have your back against a wall and those odds are being there get you i don't want to go back to prison and that mom the client i was talking about she did not want to go back to her cell tower job she did not she did not she did not it creates like i can't even say an extra gear it puts you into like a whole new engine that is what i love when you have those odds against you so i get about that hunger it's just like all right what kind of engine do i want i want a 350 you know small block in mine you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's just how it was man i love that um, give us some more of these these because these that that got me and and I'm, i'm thinking more from from my client's perspective than, than mine, but I I feel like when you give us your achievements like that, they really they resonate. They make they yeah. get me feeling good. So give give us some more examples of stuff like because you said I've got more if you want, and I, I love little stories like this. All right, cool. Um, do you want more clients or my personal? Because I can do both. Whichever's your favorite. Let's roll. I think one of the the really cool things um, that I get to do is when I see people, you know. I work with people on the business side of things, obviously, but when life starts showing up, when you start making more money, I get it. You know, you're making more money, but that doesn't mean problems don't happen in life. Don't think that, you know, they show up still. They just look a little different. But this one client in particular, um, the one that I'm thinking of right now, he was about in his fifties and very, very, very successful man. And serial entrepreneur is what they would call him. And, you know, this just really uh, amazed me. Um, and I was about four or five years into my coaching practice, you know, things going well. And his girlfriend reached out to me and she had, what was interesting, she reached out to me. Right. And I'm like, huh. She said, Hey, can you talk to him? I said, well, what's going on? And she told me to kind of break down with things. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's got this business successful he had a, you know, he had a, a buyout. And then one time he stepped down and, you know, still bored and bringing in all this money. I'm like, so what's going on? She says he won't stick with anything. And so I said, okay. And so I'm sitting there with this guy and this is a little bit of a story. I'm gonna try to speed it up for you. But audience. Um, and when this guy came in, you know, I meet him virtually just like me and you talking and I'm sitting there and, you know, he comes in, he's on camera. He's kind of sitting like this, you know, like he's kind of indifferent and didn't want to be there. And I'm like, let me be like this. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> and you're like, I'm like in front of the microphone. Course, yeah, and you know what I mean? Like you're leaning in. Yeah. This guy did not want to be there. And I could see it. I'm like, what is going on? So of course me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun one. That's what I'm thinking inside. And so, you know, I did the kind of intake form. I don't need it, but I asked some people like, hey, tell me a little bit about you, some accomplishments, some achievements, what you're working on. He didn't do anything. He didn't even put his name on the paper. And I'm like, that's fine, whatever. 
And he sits there. I'm like, hey, did you get that sheet? And he's like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm sitting there with him. And I, I, let's call him Charles. And so I said, Charles, you know, what brings us together? I don't know. This guy's about 20 years my senior. And he's just sitting there. He's like a teenager. And, you know, um, I try to figure out what's the best part to start. And so when I sit there talk with Charles, it takes me a few minutes sometimes to talk to the true self. That's who you are. That's who you feel comfortable. You know, we start vibing. So about 10 minutes, bow breaks. Him and I are jiving. We're going back and forth. We're laughing and joking. And I said, man, how'd you become an entrepreneur? And he said, man, I got a big family, Vern. I got a big family. And, you know, he went to the military, but, you know, that didn't work out. And I'm like, interesting. And I'm just listening. He always had to be the oldest one making all the decisions. And, you know, I think in, uh, not his, not he's the ninth. He had eight other siblings. And it's all these sayings. And I'm sitting there. And Mike is just like sitting there talking to an old friend. About 30, 40 minutes. And he's just like, man, so all right, what you got? What, what you got, V? What, 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 what's my problem? And so now I'm V and he's leaning forward, right? Pay attention to transition. And so I'm sitting there looking at him. And I said, you know, um, I'm not the one to help you. He said, what? What do you mean not the one to help me? He's like, we, we, we got there. You know, I, everything you're saying, I get. And I said, I'm not the one to help you. So went over to that chat and... And I said, I'm going to send you something. I just want you to look at it. And I press enter. And I saw his eyes got over just like mine right now. And he sat there. And his eyes dropped. And I just said, dude, tell me, what do you think was written on that piece of paper? Oh, excuse me, what do you think I typed to him? Take a guess. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm fucking but, waiting to hear. I'm sat here thinking, what, what's he written on that? Why is, why is, why is this guy? <laughs> so I'm, I'm coming to the reveal. True story. And, you know, he's sitting there. Then he starts crying. And I didn't say anything. I got him to get himself together. I said, do you understand? And he did that. It was his full name. He was illiterate. That's why he didn't stick with stuff. When they started getting revealed, he started recognizing that he couldn't fake it anymore. Brilliant man. He spent so much time taking care of other people. He did not take care of himself in some regards. Brilliant man with business. I mean, the man's brain stole off. Charles, um, he's a fantastic friend now. But. You know, kind of, I know I'm kind of rushing this along, but it was, you know, a couple things to it. But what had happened was that he had been so focused on just going and going and going and going and going. going. He never really sat back and just said, how can I, you know, learn how to read? I'm not the person to help him with that, but I am the person to point him in the direction. And that's an accomplishment because many of us can go around in life and we could carry the burdens and the shame and guilt and we don't need to, you know, and that, that client i'm not saying this is I'm, and i don't want people to go out like oh i got literate and say that to people but that taught me that you, there really isn't a way that you can't be successful you just got to be creative it taught me that you can also carry burdens that you could take care of you don't need to carry these things so you 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 realize when he'd not filled the form in that you just couldn't it was a f- few other stories that he had said 
And, you know, I kind of grew up a really different everybody. Let me give some backstory here. So a lot of my family, a lot of my friends, a lot of when I was growing up, I had seen a lot of the flavors before. You know, as I mentioned, a lot of my family, you know, and again, I love my family. I'm not speaking ill of them, but some people, you know, aren't formally educated. So I'd seen some of those tells is what they would say. No, that was a guess. It was a very risky one, but I, I know it wasn't risky. Yeah, my, it's my gift of intuition. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but he had a lot of the tells. Richard Branson's thingy as well, isn't it? Can't What's read. that? Can't read. Richard Branson's not not can't read. What do you call it when when the letters get jumbled up? Um, not dyslexic. Um, dyslexic. Yeah. Is it dyslexic? Okay. Yeah, dyslexic. There's loads of fucking super successful uh, guys that are super. You know what? Right. So, so um, people used to say to me growing up because because I was I was I had a similar upbringing to you. We were brought up in all loads of shit holes, um, and we did the homeless and all the rest of that crazy, crazy stuff. And people always used to say, "Money doesn't um, money money doesn't solve all your problems," right? Yeah. And 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 I kind of, but I always wanted to be rich, and I always wanted to make loads of money. But you get to a certain level of work where you've you've got enough, and it's kind of like I don't really need, and, and any additional cash is not going to make a difference to your life at all, unless you want to start flying private jets. And I want fucking sure three brand new cars instead of just the one that I drive, and silly shit like that. Where so so, but. I think it was Naval Ravikant who, who 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 said it. He basically he said something about right money won't solve all your problems, but it will solve all your money problems, right? Yep. And and then I, I kind of changed what he said because I wrote it down because I thought about it from a poor perspective, and I thought, yeah, money won't solve all your problems, but it will solve all your money problems. And seventy percent of a poor person's problems is money. Mm. so if 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 you're in a situation where right and i know it's it's easy once you once you're doing well in life to be say I'm, i'll be happy and I'll, I'll be more calm and i'll take other people's thoughts into account and i will not worry about things i can't control and all the rest of that stuff but when you when you're actually skint and when you're broke and people say to you money won't solve all your problems instead just focus on being happy well if 70 percent of your problems are fucking financial then the best thing to do is focus on getting enough money first to make sure you can be happy correct and then you've only got 30% of your problems left and what, what, so, so I kind of use that now when people say to me about I'm not I don't care about money I'm not bothered about it's not it's not about money the the, the, the what, what did he say the the most successful conqueror of all time is money because he conquered mm. the fucking universe <laughs> and we're all now bound by it and if you're not then just get a tent because <laughs> without it, you kind of you kind of screw. But when you said it before, I thought to myself, "You're talking about guys." I know a lot of guys that make a lot of money that are just unhappy. That are just, just not there. No, and, and, but they're still tr- they're still trying to get more money, and they don't quite realize they're not quite there to say to themselves, "It's not the financial side of things that's going to make you happy. It's you you being with the right partner. It's it's having children that respect you." It's taking some right. time for yourself each week. It's getting up and saying, do you know what? I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to spend 30 minutes each day just on me and just focus on, 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 on working out for 30. Not, not hard, not trying to kill myself, not trying to become Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger, but just spend 30 minutes making yourself sweat and feel happy and getting the endorphins and, and maybe, maybe, maybe just sitting in a, in a quiet room every now and again and just not thinking about anything. Yeah. And a lot of these guys don't do all that stuff that I never used to. I was constantly on the go, on the go, yep. on the go, 15, 16, 17 hours a day. And, I, and, and when I lived in Spain, I was the worst. I never had any much, I never spent much time with my family in Spain because I was always focused on work, 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 work. Um, and, and 
I got really overweight. I went to like 18 and a half stone, which is probably 250, 260 pounds in the States. Um, And I I wasn't happy. I was stressed all the time. And I I don't know what changed. I just started to realize that, you know what? You've got no fucking money. You could not work for the next five years if you wanted and you'd be absolutely fine. What are you stressed about? Right. And when I realized that, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe that because I've come from a poor upbringing, chasing the cash is not, not, it's not necessary anymore. It was necessary then because 70% of my problems were financial, but I no longer have any financial problems at all. And there's nothing that I can go past and think to myself, I can't buy it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. What, what you're touching on is a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, are running around in a survival style. I got to survive, I got to survive, I got to survive. You don't need that anymore. It's like, if, if, if I'm a big fan of movies, love movies. If you watch like uh, Tom Hanks' Castaway, he needed those tools on that island. But a lot of us aren't on that island anymore. And you might know that, but do you know that? And it's when I'm working with people, it's, it's, and I don't want people to think, oh, being happy, clap your hands and stomp your feet, you're going to be happy. No, what I'm talking about is you sitting down and getting your energy up. And I always ask this question to people. I ask this to thousands of people. That, um, you know, I don't care how big the audience, four, five, 10,000. You know, and you know, anybody right now listening or watching, you know, raise your hand. This is how you qualify your happy. Does it involve buying or spending? Keep your hand up if your happy doesn't involve that. It can involve food, drugs, or alcohol. Can that involve those three? And I start seeing people's hands start dropping down. You know, everybody loves the wine. And then the third yeah. thing is it only can involve yourself. And then bigger than anything, it's like 98% of the room, the hands drop down. And when you really look back and say it's not buying or spending because credit cards don't make anybody happy. I'm telling you now, Capital One loves you when you don't want them to love you, right? You know, buy um, food, alcohol, and drugs. I mean, it kind of leads to another habit that you don't want to start picking up. Like, I love to eat, but you don't want to always rely on, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough money to go get Peking duck or something, right? Then you can't say, I can't be happy. But then it only can involve yourself. And I see this especially with parents. When our kids get older and, you know, they're not out the house, you don't want to say, I can't be happy because my kids aren't around. You know, I do love being my son. He is my everything, but I got to make sure I'm doing the things I need to do for me, taking care of me, recharging me, making sure my brain is, you know, functioning so I can go out there and execute on all these dreams that I have up here. But when you were take all those things away and what is left is that thing that lights you up to give you more focus, more concentration, and more awareness, it raises your energy up. Majority of the populations walk around with low energy, lack of concentration, lack of focus, lack of awareness, argumentative, and way, way, way too critical and judgmental. And when you start coming from a place of everyone's stupid, when you're low energy versus high energy of saying, hey, how can I say this better so my staff can, you know, how can I articulate myself so my staff can execute on it? People get it. And then energy goes up all around, you know? So it's just so important for people to recognize that you have got to, you know, when, when you're out there crushing it and killing it in the game, money is not everything. It's not. But I'm telling you now, problems look really different and when your needs are met. And then also, you got to make sure that you value yourself and taking care of yourself. I'm not sitting up here and saying that I don't love the fact that that money gives me the freedom to say, hey, son, let's go do this. Hey, we should go do that. That makes that that brings so much joy to my life. But it brings a lot of respect as well because it wasn't handed to me. Yeah, I, I've no. I mean, I've noticed the difference. Only in the last couple of years have I started. I started driving a brand spanking new Merc, right? And and before that, I always had really old battered cars. And it's not that I couldn't afford. It's just that my business partner wanted to get company cars, so I was like, just "Get me whatever you get me," and he bought me a brand new Merc. But if before that, I always drive old pieces of shit. And I've noticed that people treat you different when you get out of a fucking. 
like it's 70, 80, 90, 100 grand car. Uh, where, where, and, and it's brand new. Even though I wear a t-shirt and fucking pair of shorts and, and, and trainers, you get yep. treated differently because you're driving a brand new car than if I pulled up in my old fucking transit van that I loved. Um, and, and that that was my favorite thing. But yeah, it, it does. It makes it, that makes a huge difference on how people treat you and everything. So when you said about it, it gets you more respect. I don't think it's more respect. I think people, I think, People look at you and they dislike you for it, but they treat you different because they know you can, you've got money. But they dislike you because everybody, and I don't know who it was who said it, right? You can tell I read fucking loads. But it was somebody who said it about, um, basically, the, 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 only, the only way that pain can exist is from you wanting something. They used a better word than that. But so, so basically, like, I want to be successful. So you're constantly mm. striving to be successful. You, so you're constantly stressed. You're constantly in pain. Uh, I, I want a, a, a really fit fucking model bird who's absolutely stunning. Um, I, I shouldn't say bird anymore. You get in trouble for that shit nowadays, don't you? Like a, a beautiful girl, right? Um, and, and, and they're constantly stressed trying to find or, or they want to be in love with somebody and they're constantly stressed looking for that. And, 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 and the way they explained it was that pain only exists in your own head. And the only way that pain exists is because you're constantly searching for the next thing and you're not happy with what you've got like right now. Yes. And the way I explained it to a colleague of mine who I do a podcast with, I said, basically, imagine you put a dog in a box. What does a dog think? A dog thinks I'm in a box, right? You put a dog in a box for 15 years like you would a man in prison and the dog thinks, oh, I'm in a box. And it gets fed, it's happy, and it doesn't think anywhere outside. You put a man in a box, and he's thinking, fuck, I could be down the beach, I could be doing this, or I could be at this place having a party with this, or uh, this is going on, or that's going on, and they're missing, and they're constantly giving themselves emotional stress and emotional pain because they want, we're always craving for that next, rather than just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm happy being made people like look at guys like like who've got a fucking six pack and the ripped up body and they're like fuck he bastard but they don't realize all the hard work that goes into that and and they don't would you would you want to swap places with that person just so you could have a six pack because he's probably got loads of fucking problems and stresses that do his head in that you don't see and you're looking at and and you're thinking ah or he's he's just got a six pack or there's this really rich guy that's just pulled up and he's in a brand spanking new 200 grand fucking bentley and and you're looking at him envious that causes you pain, but that guy might have fucking liver cancer or something that you don't know about. You don't. And it kind of, everybody always looks over the fence green on the other side and it doesn't really exist. So because, because we're talking about happiness tonight, I, I fucking, I, I, I feel that people need to just learn to appreciate what the fuck they've got and say, Amen. I like it. I'm happy. And my problems don't really exist. I mean, I, I personally don't feel like I've got any problems. Obviously, everyone in the world's got problems. Yeah, but we're working on something. Matter. They don't matter. So what, what type of coaching do you do? Let's jump onto the coaching. You know, so the type of coaching I do is business coaching, but it's also on the personal side too, because business is going to grow. We don't worry about that. That's what I'm there for. But as things grow, you need to grow. It's important for you to sit back and making sure that, you know, because it's great to go after money. It's great or, you know, to get processes working and get people, you know, in your team developing as well. But you have to make sure that you're working on yourself as well. You know, I'm big on you know, those are just, you know, the personal tenants that I'm always going for. So if, if somebody came to you as a client, for example, so, so let's say I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm starting in my own business. I want to achieve 100 grand next year. That's kind of my thing. And that's probably what most people come to you and say. Yep. What, what would your first steps in their process be? So would, would it be right, okay, how can we make you 100 grand? Or would you work personally on them first? Or what, 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 what would the process look like? 
first, I want to know, what do your winter lifestyle look like? I think sometimes too many people pull numbers out without actually understanding what they really need. You know, when someone say, I want to make a million, I want to have a million dollars and da 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 I was like, so we kind of break down, what do you really need? And I can't tell you how many times when we really look down, look at it like, let's just say they, they get a number. They say, I want to make a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. And we're like, so what do you want to do? And we kind of look at it because I need to understand what we're trying to understand and work towards. Does this matter to you? Let's break this down. And we find out like, okay, so you could make this and live like that. And so, so many people, Tom's like, oh, oh, okay. Wow, 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 wow. And then we kind of always go to that bigger number, but still let them know that we don't have to make this as stressful and taxing as you might think. Um, and then I think the next step is, you know, once we figure out their fin- finances where it goes, and let's just say they do want to hit that to a hundred thousand or a million dollars is how can we do this faster? Most time people put a lot of effort thinking it's going to take a long time. And I'm all about A through Z, but sometimes you can go A, L, J, I mean, A, L, P, Z. I've got to do myself Because I'm not saying in an unethical way, but a lot of times um, the book, like the one thing talks about this, is that the smartest thing that you need to go after to get what you want? And I've seen people do this time and time again. Smart people get in their way. Overthink, under-execute. I've done, I did it myself, Busy Fool. I, I I think that's in one of my books. I've actually got the One Thing book there somewhere as well. Uh, it's a great book. I, I did the same, the exact same thing what you've just said about um, is when I first figured out how to do digital real estate, um, like which is, I built the locksmith company. I was making loads of money. And then I'm like, I'm going to do this in loads of industries. And I ended up trying to target five, six, seven industries all at the same time. And my focus was that all over the place because I was trying to get rich in so many different areas that yep. none of them really worked until I said, okay. So in fact, it was my mum who said it to me. She just turned around and she said, what happens if you focus on too many things all at once? And she's like, you can't do them all, any of them right. So just stop, slow the fuck down. You've done the lots of pick a pick second one and just roll with it. And I kind of did. And it was like, oh my God, that worked. It's so easy because I'm writing content on that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing SEO on that. I'm building websites on that. I'm making contacts on that. I'm not going from, okay, on a Tuesday, I'm going to do plumbing. On a Wednesday, right. I'm going to do electrics. On a Thursday, I'm going to do... And it's like, you're all, your head's all over the place. And it's just like, it just didn't work. Um, I became a super busy fool. Um, but I think, I think like you said before as well, the money people are going after, the million dollars that people are going after. Mm-hmm. I think once you get to 20 grand a month personal income, unless you're a fucking idiot, um, you don't need more than that. You can't spend it. And that's exactly why I do that exercise to break it down. Like when you really look yeah. at the net net and you know, you, I do want to say that a lot of people are more busy than productive. A lot of people have a lot of busyness going on. Then if you broke it down, they don't need to do as much. That's why I'm big on creating the shortcuts. But you, you know, you are absolutely right. When people are like, oh God, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a month. And I'm not saying that's not great. But do you really need to? And I think a lot of times some people don't recognize that as you go up sometimes in income, you know, the problems change as well. Do you want to walk around carrying some of these things? That's a lot to think about. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, I, I remember having a problem. I'll tell you, I, this is a funny problem, right? But it's it's kind of, so when I was in the locksmithing game, I used to work 14, 15 hour days, right? And I was building the websites, ranking the websites, and I was going out doing the jobs myself. And as, as my me me, me business grew and grew and grew, I was going out and I was doing like a grand a day and then two grand a day. And sometimes I was, I was but I was doing 90% of the work myself. So I was like never sleeping or I'd, I'd purposely get home and get drunk so that I definitely couldn't go out on a job. But then if a job came in at two o'clock in the morning, I'd get up and go and fucking do it. And then I was working all around these hours and 
my, as you went into my kitchen, so we used to go through my living room and into my kitchen, and the, the kettle was next to the stove here, and above it, there was a long, narrow, thin cupboard, uh, about probably about this high, the bottom half of it. Um, and when, <laughs> when, when, when you walked in, you open it, it was full of money. Right. Oh my Cash. god. Loads of it. And I just used to come home at night, didn't matter, how, didn't matter if it was a grand in my pocket, if it was five hundred quid in my pocket, if it was three grand in my pocket, and I'd throw it in this fucking cupboard, right? But the problem I had is I had I don't know, twenty five, thirty five, forty grand, maybe more sat in the house all the time. And I was stressed about leaving the house. And I used to make, say to my missus, don't leave the house <laughs> because we've got a cupboard full of money there. And, and I used to say to her, just take whatever you want out of the cupboard. But there was this cupboard full of cash. Yeah. And that was a that was stressful. That. It was proper stressful. It is. Cash there. And people used to say to me, why don't you just take a few days a week off? It's like you've got a cupboard full of money in your kitchen. And you still were. And it was like, I couldn't switch off. Um and I always wanted, it's like, okay, the world, there's 50 grand in that cupboard. Now I want 100 grand in that cupboard. Now I want 200 grand. In, and, and it was like, it, it, obviously, as you get into business and you get older, you, you put your money in a bank account and you start sure. thinking, but when you're young, you don't get that shit. It doesn't, um, it doesn't work like that. It's like, uh, wheeler dealer, like, I just want to, I just want to fill a box of money. <laughs> yeah. I, I've <laughs> been there. Yeah, it was super stressful. <laughs> it's different. I used to uh, take the money when I was at that one stage of my life. I would just, um, I, I get it. I used to leave the money on the counter. I just wanted that visual. And I didn't want anybody coming over my house. Um, I didn't want anybody. And you know, you got, you know, 1,000 here, 3,000 here, 4,000 here, another 1,000 here, 50 hours here. I just had stacks. You would think I was like a drug dealer or something, right? And I remember the, I'm like, oh, I hear somebody at the door. Are they trying to rob me? da, da, da. Like, what am I doing? And so then, and that's when I was a little bit younger. I'm like, all right, this is why we have banks. And it just taught me like a whole head, like a complete lesson about life there, right? And it's like, okay, money goes on forever. Numbers don't stop. Number one, that taught me that it was never enough. Never. Because it went from, I want to take apart, um, take up this counter, to take apart this island, to take apart this way. I mean, it was just too much. And I'm like, where does it stop, right? I have a floor and a counter for a reason. And two, be smart with your money when you make it. Yeah, someone said that to me the other day. Um, if you go back in time, right? Um, I might have read it in a book. If you go back in time, the rich used to spend all the money and the poor had nothing, right? If you come back to now, the the, the poor spend all the money because we overspend on credit cards and on fucking all sorts of crazy stuff. And the rich invest. So it went from years and years ago, if you go back a thousand years, and like the rich Romans would have fucking like 10 slaves living with them and they'd have golden fucking hats and they'd have gold f a thing in a big banquets of food that they wouldn't and they'd spend like it was going out of fashion. And the poor people had zero, nothing. It's got to the point in life now where the poor people now can afford to live a very, very good life. But now the rich people don't spend anymore and the poor people do. Mm. Um, and I think it's hard to get out of that habit of spending. I always look at any, if I'm going to spend anything over 10 grand, I always look at it and say, um, like we were going to buy a static caravan the other day and we went and had a look, it was like 45 grand and it was like nine grand a year for site fees. And, and me and my missus, we were cutting through this static caravan park. And I said, do you want one? I said, if you want one, I said, but the only, the only problem I've got with it is it's a depreciating asset. It's not going to yep. like it, five years from now, that's going to be worth nothing. Uh, but if you want one, we can have one, but I don't like the idea. I'd rather buy a little cottage somewhere. The the, the 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 spend the forty five grand on something that's, that's derelict, then spend three four five years doing it up, and, and and then we use that as a holiday home. I know it takes longer, but that would then mean that we own this building that could be worth two three four five hundred k after it's been. And it kind of everything that I spend over ten k, 
I always look at it and I think, is this a depreciating asset? Because if it is, I don't like spending money on it. Yeah. Um, except my car. And the only reason I've got my car is because my business partner wanted one. So I was like, let's get it the same. Uh, but if, 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 if it was other than that, I don't think I have any expensive depreciating assets in my life at all. We have a sand in our house and I love that you do that. We ask, are we practicing poverty? We don't need to do it. And that's not to bloat anybody, but we just try to make, I mean, I just don't need it. I get it. I played that game before buying everything under the sun, but it's a lot of things. I really sit back and I think now, you know, would I buy this, you know, 20 years ago? Probably not. Yeah, my missus has started doing that, actually. She started saying, she's, when she goes to buy something, she says, do I want it or do I need it? She started right. asking herself that. And she's only started doing that in the last few months. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what, what caused the change, but she's, and, and the amount of packages coming through the door is really, really, you know, from Amazon, like the amount of junk that we just don't need. Um, yep. And she started asking herself that. So I'm assuming her bank account's looking a hell of a lot better now because... <laughs> she gets the same salary as I do. Right, right. <laughs> so, it, it, but she's not blowing it now. And so I'm just big on just, just be smart. You know, you gotta be smart with these things. Like a lot of things, and what you just said, a want versus a need, a lot of things, they're wants. They really are. And I get it, but they're just wants. Right. Well, I promised you I wouldn't let this go over an hour. I know you've got a meeting. You're probably already five minutes late for it. I really appreciate you coming on here, Werner. Mike, this it's is great. Been, Thank you. It's been awesome. If people want to work with you, people are looking for coaches. A lot of the people who listen to my podcast and a lot of people that I work with um, are business owners and they're in business. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, anybody wants to reach out, anybody's looking for that little bit of help, a little bit of advice, where did they go? What did they do? How did they, how did they find you? So you can email me at Vernon at whatsyourhappy.com, H-A-P-P-I.com. Uh, so I have, we got a little spin on happy and I spell it with the I. We'll put the email at the bottom. So it's what's your, Y-O-U-R-H-A-P-P-I.com. Yeah. Bingo. And um, you can also find me on my website at profitnowmastermind.com. Profitnowmastermind. Is what's your happier website as well? That, that actually is a website. Yes, it is. Right now, it's not 100% looking spiffy, so that's why I didn't want to say it. Oh, it's my fault. Sorry. But we'll put no, it I mean, it's bottom. not that big of a deal. I mean, you can go there. You see me up there. It's just I'm getting more speaking videos put up. Okay. Well, guys, if you go to the whatsyourhappy.com, you're probably getting cheaper because it's not such a spiffy website. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well you can go profitmastermind.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you better knock him down a bit no mate i really appreciate you coming on uh, the reason i asked you to come on is because every time i do speak to you i go away feeling happy um i go away feeling upbeat and it, I, I, and i didn't quite know what it was but obviously uh, you wasn't playing tricks on me you just make people happy which is uh which is cool and we found that out today so i appreciate you coming on mate and thank you very much thank you mike i appreciate it appreciate you guys thanks for listening cheers everybody and i will see you all next week Peace. thank you very much cheers bye-bye